Welcome to the Aesthetic Doctor Podcast. We don't shy away and keep secrets here. We empower you with education, telling you the truth about all things aesthetic medicine while encouraging you to be the best version of yourself. It's time to look great and feel good doing it. This is your host, mom, speaker, and board certified physician, Dr. Judith Forger. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 43 of the Aesthetic Doctor podcast. Today's episode is entitled Mastering the Art of Sales, Warrior Strong, and our guest today is none other than John Sansoni, also known as Sales Warrior Sansoni. He is a sales professional with over 20 years of experience. He is an author. He's a motivational speaker. He is a master class instructor and a fellow podcast host. He is the author of a book called Sales Warrior, hence the name of this episode. And I am just so excited for him to join us and share his decades of experience with us. So if you are looking to make sales in your aesthetic practice less icky and maybe feel better, or if you're trying to improve your sales in any other industry, this is the episode for you. Hello. Welcome, John. Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely, Jude. Glad to be here. Yeah, so you are obviously a man of many talents. Like I just talked about in my intro, you're a sales professional with decades of experience. You're an author, you're a motivational speaker, you're a masterclass instructor, you, and you have a comedy podcast. So you know the problem about having a comedy podcast is that everybody's going to expect you to make this entertaining now. Yeah, we're going to hope it is entertaining and people, you know, find some funny. Good, 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 good. So really you're a renaissance man, right? Um, and I'm sure that's probably why you're so good at sales. Um, you know, one of the issues, or when I say issues, you know, we yeah. have, you know, I'm in the aesthetic medicine sort of industry and business, right? right. And a lot of, um, when I do a lot of business coaching, I think a lot of people that were trained as doctors and nurses that run the sort of business that I'm in, it's a little bit of a switch for them to, you know, because when we get trained in hospitals or clinics, the sales part of things or the money part is so far removed from us. And then a lot of them that, you know, either are listening or that come to me for coaching, they have now their businesses, they're more in a cash pay industry because we're right. a cash industry. Right. And suddenly like money is a thing people have to like work with and sales matter because you know i always say like no money no mission like right. Right? no money no open business like sure. like we all want to do everything altruistically and we want to provide great value but at the same time you know everybody needs to make profit and wants to make profit absolutely profits you know otherwise you're just running a charity Yes, absolutely. And, and what do you what do you kind of what is the first thing that you would say to somebody who's saying, look, I feel a little icky now discussing the prices of my services, I feel a little icky upselling, I feel a little this, I feel a little that. Yeah, you know, I think what they need to do is they need to take a timeout. And, uh, and that timeout needs to be collaborative. An example would be, because uh, in your business, I imagine you guys work with physician assistants as well. Mm -hmm. Like you and the physician assistant, you guys just take some time out, maybe two hours at a restaurant. You get out a piece of paper and you talk about your most successful cases. And you spend time really like involving yourself in your most successful cases. Because when you realize that what you're selling has value, price, doesn't matter. And that's what I teach. So many people are so caught up in price. And there's truth in the fact that you, you can't sell to somebody that can't afford it. Don't get me wrong. But you can teach people to afford it. And, and that's the power of being a professional salesperson. Um, and, and many times the way you teach people to uh, afford it is you show them what they're already spending money on. And you show them how if you just lessen this a little bit, Hey, now you can afford the Botox, you know, once a month or once a quarter 
or whatever that might be, or or whatever. I'm probably going to say your business wrong, but is it esthetician? Is that right? Well, we do aesthetic medicine, close enough. Aesthetic medicine, thank you. We, okay. I do employ an aesthetician. Okay. Um, I do aesthetic medicine, but okay. it doesn't matter. I mean, as I said, even if you, I think it's about the principle, right? Yeah, so I, yeah. as I said, I just love having somebody here that also <laughs> embraces sale and has mastered sales because I think sometimes when I work with my clients or probably the people listening, that sales part is the hard part of them. And we spent yeah. so much time learning the medicine and learning, yeah. you know, all the things we can do to faces. Right. But what I always talk about is that really what makes your practice successful is if you can run a business. Yes, you have to be right. really good at what you want to do. And learning how to run your business is a skill that is as important, if not more important. Absolutely. Practice belief. So that's the first thing. Everybody in the uh, in the clinic has to believe in what you guys do. And the best way to gain belief in what you're selling is to look at your most successful cases and how you like turn these people around. Like they came into your office and they were dragging their heels and they weren't smiling and they were probably dragged down by the, you know, the, the age that hits you as you get older. Like, you know, you... you <laughs> The, 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 the only other side of that is dying. So you got to get comfortable with getting older. Otherwise, you're going to get comfortable with dying, you know. So, uh, so, but can you take the sting out of getting older? Yeah, absolutely. You can wear hipper clothes. You can, you, can, you can hang out with younger people. There's lots of different ways to do it. And you can get services like you guys have. And, uh, and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, there is nothing wrong with it. I mean, look at Dolly Parton. I mean, like there's nothing real on Dolly Parton anymore except her singing voice, and it's wonderful. But but what I'm saying is like there's nothing wrong with using everything that's available to you to make an impact. So like, I don't know if people can see, but like I'm wearing a blue shirt. Why am I wearing a blue shirt? Because it's been proven through research that people that wear blue shirts are more friendly than people that wear white ones. That's interesting. So that's just like an example. You know, why am I wearing a ball cap? I'm wearing a ball cap because it makes me look more fun than, you know, and it shows that, you know, I'm not as bald as I am. So I was going to say, and I, I wonder about your receding hairline, right? We can do something about that. But <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. But, but, you know, like those are examples. It's important. And, and this was probably first uh, written about by Zig Ziglar in 1976 in his book, See You at the Top. He talks about dress up, make up, and go up. And what he means is that your outward appearance, how, you, how the outward world perceives you is extremely important in how you're received. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. You know, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with using all technology that's available to you. Um, nothing wrong at all. Um, you know, I'll just be honest. So I've had my nose done. I've had my teeth completely done. Why? Because I'm in outside cells and people, and, and this is something I thought of a long time ago, and this is why I got my teeth done. But if you think about dogs, what do dogs do? And my dogs right now are playing, but what do dogs do when they're in a confrontational situation? What do they do? Oh, they show their teeth. They show their teeth. And in negotiations, with, like I've done with large companies here in the Dallas area and technology interventions, and you know, technology scopes and things like that, I sit at a boardroom and the CEO or CFO or CIO of the company goes like this. And I do it the same, you know? Like I, I present, okay, so here's our offer. And then I smile. And it's so important to have good teeth. It is super important to have good teeth. I completely agree. Especially to like, I, I think teeth are sort of a status symbol almost too of like how Absolutely. Both, right? If you yes. have the money, you're going to get your kids teeth. Like I have three teeth and I always like laugh that I've probably at least like financed like a front rim of my, you know, orthodontist like luxury car and I'm oh, like, yeah. like second one and you know, but yeah, I mean, that's what you do like, right? Because you want your kids to have a nice smile and, and also like, you know, we know that people that don't have good teeth, 
they're like not going to smile. They're going to be perceived as less friendly. They're probably not going to be as confident to date, right. not even to sell, to like, you know, have social interaction. Because, you know, if you're the weird guy that never smiles, you know, the, the girls at the college or the bar, wherever you are, are I have, I have a kid in college, but they're probably not going to be as, you know, drawn to you as if you're the guy with the beautiful, now orthodontically straight teeth that is happy to smile. Absolutely. And, and, and people perceive you how you perceive yourself. And uh, so, so important for people to know, like, uh, so how you get received is how you receive yourself. So, so if, if you don't feel goodness about who you are, people won't feel goodness to do business with you. And, uh, and the other thing I would say to the, because uh, I want to stay on topic, because I will wonder, but uh, another thing to really to, like role play, like, you know, figure mm -hmm. out like what's been the most successful. First of all, in any clinic, take your most successful producer and have them teach everybody else and duplicate that success and then role play with each other and, and tweak your performance. In, in one of my first sales gigs that I ever had, which was for a startup from a Fortune 500 company. It was a startup that the Fortune 500 company did and hired me like right out of college to, uh, to work with them. Um, it is so important to have a system, like a script. Mm -hmm. Like people get down on scripts, but, uh, but I'll tell you, a professional singer doesn't go up there and make up the words unless he wants to be heckled the next day on Facebook and YouTube. Like, those words are important and a script is really important too. Like you can own it a little bit, like make it your own, so to speak. But if you follow a proven system, success is duplicatable and there's no reason to, uh, you know, completely change it unless it's really bad. I love that you mentioned that because it again makes me really think about the fact that we're already sort of going back to this point of like, you need to treat the sales and the business aspect. Most of us have a script for the um, informed consent, like, right? right. We get yeah. very good at teaching our employees like the informed consent scripts because we want to make sure medical legally, like we hit all the high points. So, um, you know, just taking some of these things of gain belief. And I do think that that is one of the things that is so important to really think about your mental blocks, right? Because oh, if yeah. you already think it's expensive or you have some mental blocks with money, like I am obviously the owner of my clinic and I believe hundred percent in every product that we sell because awesome. I am the person that gets to create the product suite, right? I'm the person that decides on what technology we purchase. Um, right. So you're, you're absolutely right. For anybody who is maybe listening, who's not quite there yet is only probably carry products that you 100% believe in and recommend them only for the indications that you believe in and teach your staff to the same because you're absolutely right. You know, me as the owner, I can feel that way, but I have to make sure that all six of my staff members, you know, or however many I have six right now is feel exactly the same way about every product they sell, or they should not be, you know, performing that service and selling that service. Um, Absolutely. That I'm just going to highlight yeah. even what you said is the role playing. I love that to teach everybody else exactly what you do. And, and, you know, once in a while, when I see new practitioners and not personally with me, but I do a lot of trainings is like, yes. I always feel like they talk themselves out of it and they talk the patient out of it. I'm like, what were you doing? You were on a gut track and then you went left field. Um, and then I love the idea of a script, just like um, we have with the informed consent we have with the indications contraindications to actually go back to the good old proven sort of sales script absolutely and you know this is so so important it's lost on so many salespeople. i actually had a sales interaction uh, yesterday and it was good it wasn't great it was good i just happened to want to buy the product but um but the uh, but the key is is that you got to sell yourself sell your company and the credibility that both you and your company have and then you sell the product so not knowing your business but knowing like having had so much dental work in my day 
um, when I've gone to see a new dentist, like the, uh, the dental assistant will come in and say, you know, tell, they will tell you something about themselves typically if they're good, but then they tell you about the doctor because you want to know about the doctor. Like the doctor's been living in Dallas, John, for 20 years. You know, they have some special certifications above and beyond normal dental certifications that are going to be super important to you. And let me explain what they are. Credibility, 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 and then likability. And, uh, and that's so key. Like, why does one, one individual in a sales group sell a lot more than another individual, even though they've been there less time, have less experience and don't know the products as well? People like them. I love that. I love the idea, like, again, the sell yourself, sell your company, sell your product. Because, you know, when I, again, when I tell people to kind of market themselves on social media, you know, one of the yeah. things that I always hone in on is that I'm truly an expert, you know, that you're coming somewhere where a physician directs your care, a physician that has lectured nationally, that teaches other people, so on and so forth. And that's why I don't compete on price, right? Because again, you're not going to like the Walmart of aesthetic services. You are coming Bye. to the person with the expert. So I do love that idea of, again, if somebody is listening and they're kind of maybe feeling like it feels icky or they're struggling or they're not having the success that they want, the whole like sell yourself, sell your company, because you're right, any esthetician that or any front office person that could room you or that numbs you or cleans your face could easily say that, oh, did you know that Dr. Trina was like, you know, just selected as, you know, one of Austin's 20 best aesthetic doctors. We're so proud of that. Yes. The and more that you drive that, yeah. That the patient's going to take like, oh, I'm at the right place. This is Absolutely. not ready. Or, you know, as I said, I go and lecture nationally, be like, oh, did you know Dr. Borger was just in Philadelphia? To the point, though, that some people are now calling my clinic and they're like asking my assistants, am I actually going to see the doctor? Or is she just like now flying around and teaching people? But I guess I, I always tell them, no, it means we've done what we need to do. If this is what the question that people have, if they're actually going to get to see me, then we've done the right thing of establishing. Heck yeah, they're finding you to have significance. And, and with credibility comes significance. And, and with that becomes differentiation because they're not going to want to go to somebody else because you're the doctor that travels the world. You're that in demand. And that's also important. Like when you're presenting a product to somebody as a salesperson, as a sales group, as a, as a business that is selling a product, you have to let them know that your stuff is in demand. And a little bit of that is posturing a bit. Like you, you, uh, you know, who wants to hire a celebrity that is available all the time? So, you know, it's just a simplistic thing, but people want what they can't have. And if they think that you're in limited supply, you're more in demand. They even want you more. So, talking about your book sales yes. warrior so there's a, i see a lot of military kind of parallels are you do you have former service or do you just love that idea of sort of using some of the principles from the armed forces and the warrior yeah you know so when i was thinking about what i was going to call my book the first thing that came to mind was sales warrior mm -hmm. um because I wanted to get people, particularly like people that are out in the field doing really difficult sales gigs, you know, knocking on doors, selling cars, doing what I did, which was software implementations and things like that. It can be very like you're talking to highly educated people and uh, and you could feel less than instead of more than because of the rejection that you're receiving. But in the same respect, you're never going to get a leg shot off. And, uh, and the more you're a warrior, the more you have that warrior attitude that regardless of the rejection that I'm going to hear, see, be with that day, I'm going to warrior through it. It's a mindset that allows somebody to move forward, not backwards. And I'm such a believer in working the numbers. Um, you have to be good. And if you're good, you don't have to work as many numbers, but still not everybody's going to buy. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the more you realize that, the more you can sell to more people because uh, you'll work more numbers. And uh, it's so important 
that attitude, the attitude is so important uh, when you're selling, like understanding that what you have has value, understanding that the price that you're asking is, uh, is the price the customer should be paying and should be happy to pay it. Because who wants to go have some work done and have their legs swollen and not being able to call their doctor or call the, uh, call the office or whatever? Who wants to have a bad experience and have no recourse? No one. I'm willing to pay more to get a better service, to get a better product, and, and to have more peace of mind. That's what you're really selling. When you sell credibility, people realize they're not making a mistake. Mm, yeah. So, so you, know, um, you talk in your book a lot about the mental side of sales and the sort of fear of rejection that people yes. have. I would love for you and, um, you know, just to kind of drop some of the overarching themes that you believe in okay. in terms of, you know, your sales strategy, also for somebody that's interested in the book, sort of what's really, you know, what is the, what are the keys to your success and what is it that you communicate in the book? Um, well, the keys to my success is having relatability with the clients. I mean, that is the absolute key to my success. And it is an art that can be taught. Um, the other key to my success is really listening to people, not kind of listening to people, not it, like it's a true like listening to what they're saying and then threading the needle. And what do I mean by threading the needle? I mean that I find out so much information about the, uh, about the client and we have relatability and I'm able to share that like myself and them are similar. And, and I teach that in my book, I call it soft skills of selling. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and through that people have a hard time not buying from me. And, and then they'll refer me to their, uh, to their friends and family because it's such a feel good situation um, that people want to do business with you. They don't even want to shop you. They're like, Oh my God. I found somebody that's going to listen to me. Like this guy is listening to me. It's a, uh, it's amazing, but most people, even in business, don't listen to their prospects. They don't. They have a specific product they want to sell. They got a specific quota they need to meet. They're terrified that you don't buy from them. And, uh, and they're so focused on getting the sale they lose the fact that you need to date before you can dance. And that is key. Like it's so similar to dating. Like you're not going to expect, uh, you know, when you're dating, you're, gonna, you're not going to expect somebody to immediately go off to Mexico with you for two days, which is what. Well, have you saying. met the new Tinder swipe right, swipe left uh, <laughs> and just chill kind of oh, people? I'm so familiar with those apps from younger friends of mine that are single so familiar they have their good points and their bad points but uh but what i'm saying is yeah, that like people got to realize that in business that that it's you, you got to uh court the client before mm -hmm. you get the business and and it's not until and we use this a lot in technology but it's not until you have proof of concept mm -hmm. where they understand that what you have has value that you can ask for the business so until you have proof of concept, which means you understand what they want. Uh, you have something that they want. The price is applicable to what they're willing to pay. Then you have what's referred to as proof of concept. Then you can ask for the business. And then if you run into, I don't call them objections because that's such a novice use in sales training. Oh, let's overcome objections. Let's overcome that objection. No, I call them questions. So you're so you have a question about how you know you might want to pay for this. That's fine. It's valid to have questions. People are intelligent and it's okay that they have questions. When I buy stuff, I have a ton of questions because I'm super analytical. And um, so I respect when people have questions. And I even but but what I'm saying is that as a sales organization, you need to help people to see how they can afford it. And sometimes that might mean like really understanding their situation. And, uh, and I don't know what that, you know, what that goes into, but try to find out where they spend discretionary income. And if there's, uh, 
And if there's a few things that they can tweak a little bit to lower the amount of where they're spending their discretionary income, they're not spending any more money. They're just spending money that'll make them feel good when they do their do their stuff that they do. So I don't know, you know, what that is for everybody, but but there's a ways to like reframe how somebody spends their discretionary income to uh, to then allow for that availability of capital to be able to be used for what you're selling. You got to do that very tactfully, but uh, but it's a great thing to do. And, uh, and you got to make them feel like they're getting more for their money than what they're paying. And it's got to be about value. So it's okay to, you know, to have an expensive price, but it's got to have value. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, you know, as I said, personally, I think yeah. our prices are really reasonable. And, and like you said, I feel like people are getting so much value. Absolutely. I don't price my prices in a way that I'm like, oh my God, this is expensive. Right. I don't, like, bottom price but i think our prices are super reasonable and given that they get expert care access to follow up with us so on and so forth right um so um i'm, I'm just saying that in our industry there is and i'm sure you see that in every industry there's a yeah. lot of like price cutting and a lot of you know you see these new businesses pop up and they try to price undercut everybody and i don't play that game um mm. No, people, that's desperation. And that's how most people sell is through desperation. And, and what you want to sell is through limitation. Like, like uh, I mean, this is just an example, but, um, but if you're a, uh, but if you're dating, you want to act like, like there's a limited time. I'm so busy that you're going to be able to date me. Like, like, like I, you know, I'm going on other dates, for instance, and that's how that's how people have to think of like what you do. I am working with other clients. Like I have this time available for you or this time, which would be better for you. And, uh, and, and, when, they, and when they, and when they feel like that, um, the business will come and, and generally it's going to be hundred percent genuine too. Yeah. Because when you have that mindset through manifestation, which I also teach in my book and in my course through mental manifestation, that type of business will come to you. What does mental manifestation mean to you? Because I feel like mental manifestation yeah. means a lot of different things to different people. So tell me what mental manifestation means to you. Sure. So first of all, it has to be an idea of something that's uh, that's fantastic that you want to work towards. And, uh, and it's very important that you write it down. Like a lot of people have goals or things they want out of life but they never take the time to write it down. So important to write it down. Uh, why? Because when you write it down, it hits your subconscious. Mm -hmm. And then two, when you write it down, particularly this day and age of technology, if you write it down in an outlook calendar and you, and you make a goal, and, and this could be part of your manifestation, but you make a goal to look at your goals on Monday of this week, Monday of next week, Monday of the following week, what you're going to find is, particularly if you have a myriad of different goals, you're going to find yourself achieving these goals without having to look at it again on Tuesday because you've taken it into your subconscious mind and you're doing things every single day to move yourself closer to these goals that you're not even having to uh, think about on a conscious level because the subconscious mind is so, so great. Like if I say, uh, don't think of red. Like whatever you do, don't think of red. Yeah, the uh, only know, thing I'm going to think day. about is red, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's the it's the takeaway. Like you're telling your mind not to do something. Everybody wants to do what they're told not to do, and uh, and and that's just an example. Uh, yeah. But manifest mental manifestation, so wonderful. Um, just what like like for instance, when I got my first gig in sales, like I sat down, I wrote a list of everything I wanted. I wanted a Fortune 500 company. I wanted upward mobility. Uh, I, I wanted, you know, not a lot of travel. Like I wrote down every single like point that I wanted. And, uh, and literally, Jude, I got everything that I asked for. That's amazing. Like and, and, everything. And, 
I do agree with you that the more specific I make my goals, yes, um, the more achievable they are, you know, and, and that's what I kind of tell people in both my coaching and um, other things is like, well, you say you want that, but what does that concretely mean? You know, you say you want time freedom. Well, that's good. But how do you know when you achieve it? Like, right. right? Does that yeah. mean you get to have four vacations a year? Does that mean you can take summers off in Europe? Does that just mean you have every Monday off? Like, what does that mean for you? And be very as specific as you can. Can it in the end look different? And, you know, I feel so blessed because I feel like my life right now is better than I could have planned. And yeah. it's because every time you set a goal, you just set the next goal and you set the next goal and growth is just one of those principles that I'm just enamored with. Yeah, no, it's absolutely correct. And, and the more you achieve, the more that's achievable because you've taught your brain that what you write down, you can achieve. And uh, in, in, in many times, like we get stuck, like we don't think we can go to whatever that next level might be. That's why association so much important is important. So, uh, so you want to improve your golf game, play with a really good golfer, mm -hmm. play with somebody that doesn't sit there and swing four times before they swing, play with somebody that gets up there and does one little practice approach and then just knocks it straight down the fairway in the middle of the, you know, in the middle of the fairway and, it's just a beautiful, beautiful uh, drive. And, uh, and you'll find you'll play better golf. And, and if you hang out with people who are uh, more successful than you or as successful as you, hopefully more successful than you, you'll find you can be more successful than what you currently are. Yeah, there is this uh, principle where it's like you what the sum of the five people that you most hang out with. Yeah, you're the average of the people you spend the most time with now. You can change this. And how can you change this? I think I've changed this because I come from pretty humble beginnings. Like I think I told you at the get go, like my uh, my great grandparents were like teenage immigrants from Sicily. That mm -hmm. doesn't really give you a huge pedigree in the United States of America. Yeah. For one, uh, Italians and Sicilians were kind of looked down upon. They were laborers, essentially. Right. And very difficult to get jobs. That's why most Sicilian families like mine own their own business or own their own business, because we couldn't get hired. Like uh, the name was a Debbie Downer when we uh, when we tried to get with Fortune 500 companies. Now, a lot of that is alleviated. But back when my great grandparents were alive, uh, very, very difficult to be successful in the United States without owning your own uh, own business. Um, but what I'm saying is, so how was I able to like get to the point where I am? Like I'm financially independent. I got a ton of time on my hands. I'm not completely like, you know, completely time free, but I take a lot of time off. Um, work is not what I do for fun. I have fun and I, you know, work allows me to have the fun I want to have. Um, but what I did was I've spent my life studying the greatest business people in the world, Warren Buffett. Uh, Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, uh, a little Elon Musk, I must say. But, um, you know, so many people, like I have spent the time in my off time becoming better educated on what it means to be successful at all levels. And, uh, and two, like some of the people that are uh, famous for being successful, uh, one in particular is Steve Jobs of Apple Computer. He's pretty much a jerk. Like he was successful despite like how mean and horrible he was to the other human beings um, around him, particularly his daughter, Lisa. But, but that's just kind of an example. Like I've spent time rising above because I've spent time with people mentoring me that didn't even know they were mentoring me. You know, I've, I've also read a thousand biographies about. Yeah, I read that. People. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty impressive impressive like do you do you uh -huh. just read whatever or um do you do they have to be well written because some of the biographies I've started I found fascinating and other ones I'm just like oh, oh god I know that's uh that's the problem with it because it's not an exact science so many times like back in the day before computers were like as prevalent as they were and you had the kindle and things like that so mm -hmm. I would go into like the bookstores and I'd be in outside cells and I'd be staying in hotels or whatever and flying around the country. And uh, I would just buy a book 
and read it. And then you're so limited. You only have one book. It's paper, you know, uh, but, but now many, many, many years later, I read them digitally. And sometimes I read three at a time because many, many times biographies are not autobiographies. So they're written by a third party. So they might or might not be good, but there's portions of it that are really good, but it drags. So I tend to read three at the same time. That way, if it's a, you know, if it's a really slow chapter, you know. No, I'm glad because I have that issue with biographies. Just like you said, some of them are yeah. fascinating and other ones drag a little. Yeah, you know, I don't know why that's the case, but they include things that aren't super intriguing and engaging and interesting. Like, for instance, I'm reading one right now and I'm maybe 50% done. And uh, it's on the story of Robin Williams. And uh, it's just very fascinating. And since I'm in comedy, I really wanted to understand Robin Williams' background in comedy. And it, it did a great job of doing that. But then like mid-book, now he's like super wealthy and he's doing all these dramatic movies and it's not as interesting. And so, uh, and so then I went to a, uh, another book to read. I'm about 50% done with a book by Mackenzie Phillips. I don't know if you know who she is. I do not. Uh, no worries, no worries. So she was in a sitcom years ago in the 70s called One Day at a Time. And uh, and her uh, her background is that her father was John Phillips of the Mamas and the Papas oh. that do California Dreaming. Mm. And he was a super, super wealthy drug addict that had a daughter and a, uh, and a son, divorced his wife went and married another gal and then had two other kids. And he was just a free spirit his whole, whole life. And, uh, and she was successful in, uh, in acting in business, despite the non-parental support that she received, which was tremendous. So, uh, so it's, it's a different kind of book. Um, but, uh, but interesting nonetheless, I, I read one this year by, uh, the guy, uh, Rob, uh, trying to think of his name, but he was in The Outsiders and he's a famous teen uh, actor. I'll, th I'll think of him, Rob something, but, uh, but, but he's talking about like when he first got into uh, acting or whatever, he's over at Emilio Estevez's house and, uh, and this new actor's in town in the swimming pool, you know, playing around and it was Tom Cruise. So these kind of things are really interesting, particularly when you see these people before they were famous. Yeah. So and, and yeah. it sounds like what you're really saying also is that as part of who you are and as part of your success is really that you're curious and that you're always learning and yeah. that you don't have the I have it figured out attitude. And it sounds like you're taking little lessons from all of the things around you. Absolutely. That is exactly correct. And inspiration. Like uh, if you teach somebody, like we tell them all, okay, write a list of things that, that are going to, that you're going to do and be successful with. But if you don't have any ongoing inspiration, it's highly unlikely that you're going to have the fuel to do what you need to do. And, uh, and that's what I really get from these struggles. That's what I teach uh, people in my master classes that the reason why biographies are so powerful is because you get the struggle and, and you get the, uh, the pain, um, but you get a third person. So you're not experiencing it yourself. You get to experience it. And then you get to experience the accomplishment of this individual, but you don't really experience ex you, you don't really have that pain. And you're bringing up this brilliant point that there is yeah. this thing that I'm sure you're familiar with, like the hero saga and the fact that there's different stages to the hero's journey that are actually, when we teach um, self-development, they're quite predictable, right? Is that you have the catalytic event where everything falls apart, and then you end up sort of pulling it together a little bit, and you can dream and scheme. And right. then there's the part where you suddenly have to actually do the work and go into action. And that is probably what you teach. And that's kind of where you're like, whoa, this is harder than I thought. When I was dreaming and scheming, it was all working out. And now I have to be the work. And and it's actually hard. But then, you know, once our hero has faced their trials and tribulations, you get to go to the promised land, right? And, Absolutely. Uh, 
so 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 really it is really a lot the arc of life business every movie ever done <laughs> and so on and so forth yeah i mean you got to stay in the game and you got to recreate the vision like a lot of people like once you get to the goal being met that's like the happiest and saddest day of your life because you wanted this goal so bad. I wanted to own my own company. I wanted to write a book. I wanted to create a masterclass. I wanted to create my own podcast. But 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 you get to that, and then boom, you got to turn around and revision what is the next step. Got to go back gonna, through the catalytic yes. change cycle. <laughs> yes, you definitely. It's got to be like something like like um, I'm a big music fanatic, so I know a ton about musicians all over the world. And their and their uh, in their backgrounds and things like that and they're in in but the thing I'll, I'll tell you is that as soon as they get done with the tour they need to go make an album because if you aren't making new music if you don't have a new goal you're going to go the way of doing a ton of drugs because people at that level with that kind of uh, financial resources uh if they if they can't create a new vision for what they're going to do next then that what they're going to try to do is change their present reality to be more uh, euphoric. They want to escape. They want to get off this planet. And the best way to do it for them is to uh, change their state. And, and that would be doing drugs. Whereas they could also change their state by getting out of, you know, a pen and a piece of paper and writing a new song and or starting a new band. There's a lot of things that you can do to change your state that don't involve any kind of, uh, you know, chemical influences but the reason most people don't do a lot of things that'll change their state because they've never sat around and thought about how can i change my state you and know, i do love that idea about business that is one of my favorite things about business actually is how creative it is yeah and me too. How, you know you can always like envision the next thing or you can even if you're are you going to change something little? Are you going to try this? Are you going to try that? Are we going to, either you can sort of make it easier. And um, that's something I want to just in the last couple of minutes that we have. Oh, good. Yeah. You yeah. And I both have this shared vision of, you know, really using business and using sales success and using, you know, whatever success and goals you have to really be able to ditch that hustle and enjoy life. So what yes. is the time that we have left? I would love for you to kind of share your philosophy and how you help others achieve it. Oh, you know, getting a vision for what jazzes you is the, is the most important thing. And also getting interested in things that have nothing at all to do with you will make you a happier person. Like most people are so focused on themselves that they're just not like outward focused. Like it kind of goes to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. When you get your basic needs met, then you go to self-actualization. And, and the more people can get outwardly focused and true, I know people have financial struggles. I don't want to take away from that. But once you meet those basic financial needs, start to get a little outwardly focused and get some balance in your life. And I don't know what that means for everybody out there, but I'm going to say that like the more you're making friends and making friends, in my opinion, is more important than making money because you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have friends to enjoy it with, it's worthless. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, I think that's super important for people to uh, embrace. But one thing I really want to drive home and I think this will help people is that like get interested in uh, in what you do. And if you're trying to sell something to somebody, get interested in them, because if you get interested in them, then they will buy from you. And so what does that mean? I mean, in my business, like what I do, I do professional consulting, dude. So I find out everything I can about the individual. And the reason I do is because if you show that you spend enough time to find out about that individual, you show you care, and then people want to do business with you. People don't care how much you know. It's important that you know something, but people care how much you care. And, and that's so, so important. Like if you can uh, talk that through with somebody where enunciate that so they understand how much you care, then you've won a customer for life. And it's just not, it, it's a relationship business and and the more you relationships sell which means connecting with your client authentically uh 
the more successful you'll um, you'll be in in business. But but I want to give your listeners just a little bit of an idea of like what research I did before we had this today. Okay, so I know you have three kids. I know that you're in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Uh, I know you're originally from Germany, correct? Yes, correct. Okay. I know that you do emergency pediatric uh, yes. hospital work. Mm-hmm. Emergency, uh, emergency work as a doctor, but you're also, you do, um, what do you call it? Um, aesthetics. Aesthetics, yes, which is like Botox and hair removal and things like that. Uh, I probably don't know all of them, but I imagine like facials and things like that as well. Right. But, um, but, but that's like the a level of degree, like in speaking of degrees, I found out, I think you went to Michigan and, uh, and you also spent some time getting educated in, uh, in New England. Correct. Yes. So I do that with every single prospect I have. I find out, you know, what they do for a, uh, what their background is, and then I relate their background to my background. So something you don't know about me, Jude, is I grew up with uh, three doctors in my life. Uh, One doctor was a neighbor on the left side of me, and he was a general practitioner. The other doctor was to the right of me, and uh, and he was a a dental surgeon. And my mom's best friend was a radiologist. Mm -hmm. And so I have a lot of knowledge of like how hard doctors work the hours that doctors keep, how smart doctors are, because I've spent a lot of time in my early youth hanging out with doctors. And then, uh, and then to, you know, have a few friends that are doctors, but, but like, that's just an example of like the breadth and the depth that you have to go into to gain relatability and more importantly, connection. Like most people want to sell stuff to somebody, even the guy selling furniture today at the furniture store, they want to sell something to somebody because of the price, the urgency, and the uh, and the product, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you, the more you sell based upon connection and relationship, the the women will have their girlfriends going in and buying furniture from that guy because he is so nice, and he took the time to find out what I really needed, and uh, even though I went in for a couch, he found out that my kids were getting older and we're going to have to be putting in brand new furniture in uh, their beds because their current children's beds aren't going to get it anymore. And, and like, that's just an example of how you have to go three, three layers deep versus just on the surface and, and, and not be so scared that somebody's not going to buy that, uh, that you don't spend the time. And it goes back to the 70s song, love the one you're with. I love that. What a great way to kind of wrap it all up. I, you know, really appreciate you. Oh yeah, absolutely, Jude. My pleasure. A professional in like really both the art and the science of sales. You know, and um, and, and really, I mean, the amount of pearls you have dropped from my audience today have been incredible. So especially, awesome. I mean, so I first hope so. of all, we like as I said, I have a lot of other aesthetic practitioners listening, but even Good. other that are not in the field of aesthetics that are real estate agents we have a lot of those listeners that are just regular people that are doing sales anytime in their life you know that's sometimes why it's good to have somebody who has nothing to do with aesthetics because we can really talk about these principles you know and they so apply so john sales warrior please tell us where people can find you. As we said, you do a lot of stuff. I know you have a website. We will link everything in the show notes. The book is behind him. Um, I'm definitely going to grab myself a copy seeing that I just got a quick PDF preview, Um, but it's really actionable. It's really well-written as I think all of the kind of good sales books should be where you can really kind of do really get some key step-by-step things of ways you can apply the knowledge and the principles to your own business. So Absolutely. Tell us, where can people find you? Well, it, it probably the most important thing is like, how can they get my wisdom? So it's very easy to get my wisdom. I have a three-day boot camp. It's on my website. My three-day boot camp includes 30 hours of one-hour action block items that people can do every day to inspire themselves. So it's video audio and worksheets. And, uh, and it used to be 400. I do it for 99 with a free book. Oh, wow. So it's, 
So like in my business, I would call it a daddy of a deal. <laughs> and, uh, and then once you're connected with me, uh, monthly, you're going to get free inspiration where I'm going to be interviewed like I am today with Jude. And, uh, and I'm going to be able to continue to inspire me. So uh, getting involved with me on a business level is a gift that keeps on giving. Well, awesome. And um, just to boot camp a lot of times when I write it and I'm so on your website, I'm so glad you're noticing that I normally think of a boot camp as like somewhere where I have to go for three days, but you're saying it's all pre-recorded, made for the business owner. So if I want to on Thursday night, watch an hour and then come back next Thursday and watch another hour and take notes in between, I can do that. And that's how it's designed. It's designed to inspire you in the moment. And it's a lifelong thing. So once you buy it, you own it forever. So it's not going away. But the key is, is yeah, like uh, like me being on the road, I used to do it with like Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins. Like, okay, I'm going to stream Zig Ziglar for 30 minutes before my meeting to get all pumped up before I have my meeting or, or you know, you know what, whatever I have available. And it's designed to do that. And the best thing you can do is if you're not doing it in the car and you're doing it at your house or whatever, is get out a piece of paper because the more you write this stuff down, because I throw out 34 years of gold nuggets that I call warrior weapons that you want to write down and start implementing in your business. And I think if you do it, it's going to uh, be incremental to the revenue of the business because these things work. Like I didn't make them up. I've been a student of professional sales for 34 years. What I've done is I've brought them to this, this time and place. Like I've brought them like full circle. These ideas have been around forever. I've, uh, I've, I've written them down and made them available through video and audio so they can come alive for the, uh, for the listener and, uh, and really use them in their life and their business. And, uh, and even if you're not in sales, if you get used good at doing the soft skills of selling, you'll find that um, you and your spouse will go to restaurants you want to go to. <laughs> well, that is that is definitely very attractive by itself, but uh, I'm going to download it and I will let you know about awesome. all the wonderful things we kind of find out after. Thank you again for um, sure. sharing your knowledge and sharing your time. It was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, absolutely, Jude. My pleasure as well. Thank you for listening to the Aesthetic Doctor podcast with Dr. Judith Forger. We'd love to connect with you outside of the show. Follow Dr. Borger on Instagram at Dr. Borger and find more online and ways to work with Dr. Borger at www.theaestheticdoctor.com. Until next time, be well.